1: You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This is the podcast for all those people in the world who are trying to improve their English in the best way possible, and they're searching online for interesting podcasts and resources to help them learn English as a second language, I'd imagine. Um, I don't know if there are any people who listen to this who only speak English as a first language. You know, people who just sort of listen just for entertainment or just because they find it interesting to look at their own language. I do get the odd bit of email contact from people like teachers, for example, who obviously know how to speak English already, but they still listen to the show just because they like it so much they enjoy it and they recommend it to their students and they use it in their classes sometimes. It's just, you know, it's just incredibly popular, Luke's English Podcast these days. its, it's It really is incredible. Um, I'm actually number one in my category on Podomatic.com now. Number one, that's it, in the um, education languages section of Podomatic.com. Luke's English podcast is up there at number one, that's right, and I get over 20,000 downloads of this um, podcast every 30 days, and I still think that's a tiny proportion of the potential audience that I have out there in the world, Um, considering the number of people who are learning English, and they want to do it in an authentic, correct, natural way, I think that uh, eventually when they discover Luke's English podcast, they'll also be subscribing to this and um, they'll find it helps them incredibly. Um, I must remind you, of course, that if you do find the podcast useful and you'd like me to do more, then please be generous enough to offer me a, a small donation. You can do that by visiting my website which is http colon forward slash forward slash teacherluke.podomatic.com. And if you go onto that site, you'll see a little button on the right near the top that says donate using PayPal. Now, you need to have a PayPal account in order to donate. But please, if you listen to this regularly and you find it useful, please do donate some money to me because I need that money to help me pay for the Uh, Podomatic service which I actually pay for every month so basically I've said this before if you don't donate then I won't be able to do any more podcasts so no donations means no podcasts I'm afraid so the more that you donate the more I can um, I can actually do these now you might think that because I've got 20,000 listeners every month that I'm getting loads of donations well I, I don't I don't the last time I got a donation was over four weeks ago. I think if I don't remind my listeners of these things, then they don't really do it, you know, because they think it's a free service, so I don't have to pay. Um, fine, but uh, do bear in mind that I pay to actually put these on, so it's fair, isn't it? It's fair if you were to just give me a little bit of money back. I mean, just a few dollars is enough, really. So, in this episode... You're going to hear about some common errors which learners of English make regularly when they speak English. Now, I've been teaching English for about 10 years now, and I teach permanently, full time, every day. And for the last 10 years, almost every day of my working life, I've been listening to learners of English speaking. And of course, Because uh, they're learning the language, they make various mistakes. Now, um, most mistakes that uh, learners of English or speakers of English as a second language will make will be as a result of influence from their first language. That's probably the main reason why mistakes happen. Just because they, for example, will structure a sentence in a certain way in their language or there's a certain kind of grammatical form or lexical kind of construction which works in their language but doesn't quite translate into English. And the result is you get these kind of typical mistakes or typical errors. Now, I hear these errors every day. And what, I've, what I did recently is I started to write a little list of some of the most common mistakes which I hear on a daily basis from learners of English. I've also spoken to my colleagues the other teachers who i work with at uh, my school and i've collected a few mistakes that they often hear as well so what i'm going to do is go through that list of errors and just explain the corrections for them okay so whether you're um, a listener from europe you know spain or or france or italy or germany i mean i get I get hundreds and hundreds of listeners from Europe or if you're from South America and you speak Portuguese or Spanish or you're from somewhere kind of um, in the Middle East somewhere you know in the Arabic speaking world or maybe you're you're from an Asian country maybe even Japan or Korea or China or all of the other many countries Russia of course I mean there are so many places that pe- where people are listening to this and it applies to every single place because I have I meet learners of English from all over the world Um, And so, the sample of mistakes that I'm going to read to you um, are taken from learners of English in every country that I've met. Okay? So, I'm just going to go through the list, explain the mistake, explain the correction. That's it. Hopefully, you will learn quite a few things from this episode. I think you'll find it's going to be very, very useful for you indeed. So, what's the first one? Well, in my lessons, I often... Um, have meetings. I often simulate meetings in my lessons which involves the students agreeing and disagreeing and giving opinions and so on and one of the most common errors I hear there is when students say I am agree or I am not agree. I am agree. Uh, I'm afraid that's wrong. It's not I am agree but I agree or I don't agree. I think this is because Um, In many languages, the construction is, I am agree, like in Italian or maybe Portuguese or Spanish. But in English, it's just, I agree. Okay? I agree. I don't agree. Fine. Um, Now, another one is, I said you something. Now, this is, um, I said you something or she said me something. And that's really the use of say as a verb. And it shouldn't be, I said you something or he said me something, but I told you something or he told me something. So we use tell um, when you you have the object, like the person after the verb. So um, tell someone something and say something. Okay, don't uh, tell something unless you're telling a joke uh, and don't say someone something. It's, tell someone something, he told me a story, he told me about his holiday, Um, say something, he said um, something to me, right? So, um, for example, Luke told that he was going on holiday would be, Luke said that he was going on holiday, or Luke told us that he was going on holiday, okay? And I, I hear things like, I understand what you told, but I don't agree, And that would be, I understand what you said, but I don't agree. Or, I understand what you told me, but I don't agree. So, that's tell someone something and say something. There are some exceptions, like you say hello, say goodbye, and you tell a joke. But generally speaking, it's tell someone something, say something, right? Now, next one is in first conditional sentences. And I often hear, if I will. For example, if I will go to the park, I will let's see, if I will go to the pub, I will see you there. If I will. Uh, I also have things like, if I would go to the museum this weekend, I will do something interesting. So if I will and if I would. And uh, they're both wrong. You don't have if and will in the same clause. There's a rhyme, which is if and will makes teacher kill. Right, or maybe if and will makes you ill. Right, So the idea is that um, with if sentences, you have the if clause, and then you have another clause with a modal verb in it. And you don't put the modal verb in the if clause. So for example, um, let's see, um, if I play football, uh, no, I need to think of a better example. If I okay, um, if I go to the cinema, I will see the new Harry Potter movie. For example, if I go to the cinema, I will see the new Harry Potter movie. So not if I will go to the cinema, I will see the new Harry Potter movie. So not if and will in the same clause. It's if I go, I will see not if I will go, I will see, okay? So if and will makes teacher kill, or if and will, it makes you ill. Also, it works in second conditional sentences when you have the word would as a modal verb, and would doesn't go in the if clause either. Would goes in the second clause. So, for example, um, if I won the lottery, I would buy a Ferrari, right, a classic example, we've all heard that example before, if I won the lottery, I would buy a Ferrari, not if I would win the lottery, I would buy a Ferrari, no, not that either, um, okay, so remember the modal verb doesn't go in the, uh, in the if clause, it goes in the, the other clause, so if I won the lottery, I would buy a Ferrari, not if I would win, okay, um, And uh, that's because if and would is never good, right? So if and will makes teacher kill, or if and will makes you ill, and if and good is never good. And if and would is never good, okay? Right, good, excellent. Um, Obviously, there's third conditional as well. I do hear students making mistakes with that regularly as well, but that's just because it's a very complicated structure. With uh, with, With third conditional, you have to remember that it's if... Well, with if, it's um, you have had and a past participle. So if I had gone to university, and then we use would in the next clause, right? So not if I would have gone to university. No. If I had gone to university, I would have studied law. Okay? If I had gone to university, I would have studied law, for example. Not if I would have gone to university, I would have studied law. No. Okay, so because if and would is never good, right? Okay. Um, There are exceptions to that, of course, because sometimes you will have would like, would like. Sometimes that goes in the if clause, and that's okay because it's would like. It's not would, it's would like. For example, if you would like to open your books, we can begin. If you'd like to open your books, or maybe if you'd like to take a seat, I'll be with you in a moment right? If you would like to take a seat, I'll be with you in a moment. Or if you would like to leave a message, please do so after the beep. Beep! You know, that kind of thing. Um, So there are exceptions to it. Right, next thing in my list. It's just a random list, by the way. It's not in any particular order. It's just a random useful list for you. Right, the next thing is a few prepositions. Now, to be honest, I should do a whole podcast just devoted to prepositions in fact i 've got a listener who's who requested a prepositions podcast ages ago like a year and a half ago, and I still haven 't done it so I should be able, I should do a whole podcast about prepositions but for the moment, here are a few errors that I hear regularly so um, just a few examples uh, to a present to someone so if it 's your birthday or someone's birthday, then you could get a present to someone. It's not a present to, it's a present for. So I bought a present for my brother, not I bought a present to my brother. Okay. Another example of using to in the wrong way would be, um, you know, to buy something to someone. And it's actually to buy something for someone. Um, And, um, I've also heard things like, let's have a coffee to that cafe. Let's have a coffee to that cafe. And uh, it should be at that cafe. Let's have a coffee at that cafe. Now, the thing about prepositions is that, um, to be honest, there isn't really a rule which explains the way prepositions are used. You can try to apply basic rules of usage or try to apply a kind of uh, a pattern rule. About when we use at and when we use to, and so on. But to be honest, it's pretty difficult to apply some logical sort of rule to it. All I'd say is basically with prepositions, you have prepositions of place, which describe location, for example, and prepositions of time, which just describe various sort of relationships with time. And there you can apply some rules to prepositions of place and time. But then all the other uses of prepositions will be just, um, like collocations, and that's where prepositions are used very commonly with other words, and basically you get, uh, prepositions with nouns, so like noun, preposition, collocations, prepositions with adjectives, so that's adjective, preposition, combinations, and prepositions and verbs, verb, preposition, combinations. Sometimes those are called phrasal verbs, um, and then that's just a case of remembering the combinations of either noun, adjective, or verb, plus a preposition. Now, really, I'd need to do a completely new podcast about that because it's such a big subject. Now, um, let's see. Um, the the word rise and the word uh, raise. Rise and raise. So, rise is spelled R-I-S-S-E, R I S E. R R, in in British English, you'd say R, R for red or rainbow, right? In in America, it'd be like R, but we'd say R. So there's R-I-S-E, rise, and R-A-I-S-E, raise, okay? Now, basically, um, rise is an intransitive verb, and it just means to go up. So, for example, sales rose by 50% last year. That means that sales went up by 50%, right? Um, Or let's say taxes uh, rose. So that's rise, rose, um, risen. And raise, raised, raised, right? So taxes rose by 3% last year. And then taxes were raised by um, taxes were raised by three percent last year, or the government raised taxes by three percent. So basically, rise means to go up, and raise means to make something go up. So the government raised taxes, and taxes rose. Okay, or or um, taxes were raised by the government in the passive form Uh, so that's raise and rise Um, let's see I also hear things like I have lived here since one year I have lived here since one year and really that's a problem with either using since or for And of course, we use since with a point in time, like a date or a particular moment in time in the past. So it would be, for example, I have lived here since 2010, uh, or I have lived here since January 2010. And if you're talking about a duration of time, it's for. So I've lived here for one year. They're both commonly used with present perfect, like I have lived, uh, but for is a duration and since is a point in time okay so also I hear during being used in the wrong way Um, and I would hear something like I have lived here during one year and that's just wrong again it should be for one year and we use during to say that something happens like in the middle of something else for example I fell asleep during the movie right um, or um, let's say, uh, during the summer, I go on holiday, or um, uh, let's see, um, yeah, like I fell asleep during the movie, or uh, my friend called me during my lunch. That was that means in the middle of my lunch, my friend called me. So it's used to describe when one thing happens in the middle of something else, it's not used to describe a duration, okay? Uh, it, that would be four. Okay, Uh, so um, let's see. I also hear sometimes a similar mistake, but kind of with a few more mistakes in it It would be, I am living here during one year. And first of all, it's not I am living here. It should be I have lived here or I have been living here. That's present perfect to kind of explain something uh, that's connected to now. So either because the time period isn't finished or because the action is still continuing. Um, that's present perfect, which is a complicated area. But essentially, it's not I am living here during one year, but I have been living here for one year. Uh, we tend to use present continuous tense to talk about now or temporary situations now, or even plans for the future. And I'm going to come onto to that in a moment. Right, so um, another one is like relative clauses. And I hear this sometimes. Like a girl that she lives in Brazil. A girl that she lives in Brazil. So that's um, that's a relative clause with that being the relative pronoun. But after the relative pronoun, you don't need to have the subject, the girl. Right? Because that's been replaced by the relative pronoun that. So you'd say a girl that lives in Brazil, not a girl that she lives in Brazil. Okay. So that's just a note on relative clauses. Um, Next thing in my list, I've got the line, what do you do tonight? What do you do tonight? And I often hear that at the end of a day, at the end of a day of teaching students, we've just finished the lesson. The lesson's finished. I'm just getting ready to leave the room. And one of the students asks another student about his or her plans for that evening. And it's like, what do you do tonight, or what will you do tonight? And it's wrong, okay? It's not, it's not correct. It should be, uh, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? So we'd use present continuous to talk about a future plan, okay? Now that seems a bit strange, but it's true. So present continuous to talk about the future. So hey, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm having dinner with my girlfriend, for example. So not what will you do tonight or what do you do, but what are you doing tonight? I'm having dinner with my girlfriend, not I have dinner with my girlfriend tonight and not I will have dinner with my girlfriend tonight, but I'm having dinner with my girlfriend tonight. It could be going to. What are you going to do tonight? I'm going to have dinner with my girlfriend. Okay, so either present continuous or going to. Um, And I've got things like tonight I will go to the pub. So again, that's not correct. It should be tonight I'm going to the pub or maybe tonight I'm going to go to the pub. You might hear tonight I'm going to go to the pub or tonight I'm going to the pub. Okay, not will. We don't use will to, to talk about a plan like that unless you've made the decision at the same time that you speak. And then you'd probably say something like I think I will probably. It's very common to have think and probably together with will. I think I'll probably just go home. I think I'll probably just stay in tonight. That's when you haven't decided and you kind of make the decision at the same time that you speak. Then you can use will. We use will, for example, to answer the telephone. Don't worry, I'll get it, or to answer the door. I'll, I'll get it, I'll answer it, okay, but to talk about a plan tonight, it's what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to the pub, right? Um, another one is just like I hear this a lot, especially in Japan. When I lived in Japan, I heard people say, go to shopping, to go to shopping. And it's not right. It's to go shopping. Okay, go shopping. Um, The place where the shops are would be maybe the shops. So go to the shops or go to the shopping centre. But go shopping, not go to shopping. So for example, this weekend, I'm going to go shopping, not this weekend, I'm going to go to shopping. No, Go shopping, not go-to shopping, right? Another thing is the difference between a day off and a holiday, okay? Now, a day off is just one day when you don't work, okay? But a holiday is probably more than one day. It could be a week or two weeks. It's the it's the same as a vacation. You know that a vacation, like your summer vacation, would be a week or two weeks where you go on holiday somewhere. That's American English. In British English, we'd say a holiday, And it's not just one day. It's usually a series of days or a week or two, right? So I'm going to go on holiday to Spain. That means I'm going to spend like a week or two in Spain. It's not just one day. One day when you don't go to work is called a day off. But of course, you also have public holidays. That's different. A public holiday or a bank holiday is just one day. That's, for example, like Christmas Day or um, various other things. Sort of important public holidays, that is one day. That's a public holiday or a bank holiday, not just a holiday. So, for example, on a public holiday, I have a day off, it means I don't go to work for that one day. Um, okay, next, um, I've got something like almost people in my country, almost people in my country. Now, that's wrong, um, it should be most people in my country, or maybe almost all the people in my country. Okay, so not almost people, but most people, or almost all the people, right? I also hear most of people in my country, and it should be most people in my country, or most of the people in my country. So if you want to say most of, you need to say the. And it's quite common if you say the, to then add a relative clause afterwards. Most of the people in my country who listen to Luke's English podcast are really good at English now, for example. Okay, um, so that's almost people. It should be most people in my country or most of the people in my country. Okay, next one is the verb explain. And I often hear people say things like, I, um, You explain me the situation. Or, I want to explain you the situation. Now, in English, you don't say explain someone something. You just explain something to someone, right? So, I'm going to explain the situation to you. Or, I'm going to explain the situation. Okay, not I'm going to explain you the situation. No, it's explain the situation or explain the situation to someone. Um, Okay, the same goes with suggest. We don't say I'm going to suggest you a good restaurant. We'd say, I'm going to suggest a good restaurant. Would we say suggest a good restaurant for you? Yeah, I would, I'm going to suggest a good restaurant for you to go to, maybe. Um, another one is the use of the word haven't uh, for possession. Uh, for example, I haven't any money. Now, I don't think that sounds natural. I think that some people would disagree with me on that, but I don't think it sounds natural. You either would say, I don't have any money, or I haven't got any money. But you wouldn't say, I haven't any money, in my opinion. I think it sounds a bit unnatural. So I haven't got any money or I don't have any money. Next is the word advice. And I often hear students saying, I'm going to give you some advices. Can you give me some advices? And that's wrong. It's not advices, but advice. Because advice is never plural. Okay? Because it's an uncountable noun. So it's always, give me some advice. If you want to make it plural, you need to use uh, pieces of advice.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters. May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: So can you give me some advice? Or can you give me some pieces of advice? Or I've got three important pieces of advice to give you, for example. Okay. Similarly, the word information. Information is never plural, because it's an uncountable noun. So I'm going to give you some information, not I'm going to give you some informations. No, never plural, never has an S again, you can make it plural by saying pieces of information. So he gave me several pieces of information. Okay. Um, The word news, you know, like news on the BBC, for example, news, it's got an S on the end, but it's always plural. You never have the singular version. You don't say I've got a new for you. No, it's I've got some news for you, or I've got a news story you know, an interesting news story, or maybe a piece of news, okay? But never just a new, it's some news. Even if it's just one piece of information, you'd say, I've got some news for you, for example. Um, Another one is the pronunciation of the word question, to ask a question, particularly in South Korea. The students I have from South Korea, they, for some reason, find it difficult to pronounce the word question. And instead they say question. So teacher, I have a kes- I have question. Right? If you're from South Korea, you might recognize that. Question, not question. Um, so it should be question. And there's a W, a W sound in there. Question. So imagine that there's a W sound. It's like K-W-E-S. Quest. Question not question, but question. I have a question. Um, Okay, next one is the use of past perfect, uh, which we know is had plus a past participle. And I find that lots of students get this wrong because they think we use it to just talk about... um, sort of something that happened in the distant past, so like a long time ago. But that's not the case. No, it's not just the distant past, because we use past simple to describe events that happened even years and years and years ago. It's just past simple. So um, I hear this kind of thing. I had learned that when I was at school. I had learned that when I was at school. And the person making that mistake thinks that we use Past participle, a past perfect, or had learned, to talk about something that happened a long time ago. For example, when they were at school. But it's not the case. We don't use that. We'd use past simple. I learned that when I was at school. We use past uh, perfect to describe uh, an action that happened before another action in the past. So, if you're already talking about the past and you want to talk about things that happened previous to that then you'd use past perfect. For example, when I went skiing last year, it was really difficult because I had never done it before. So first of all, the main focus of time is last year, but by using past perfect, I can refer to time before last year. So it's like past in the past, not just a long time ago. Um, Next one is just I hear students say things like, I don't know what means this word. That's when they find a word they don't understand. I don't know what means this word. And it should be, I don't know what this word means. Okay? I don't know what this word means, not, I don't know what means this word. I don't know what this word means. Um, Let's see. We've got these indirect questions. These are the more polite versions of questions. And students make mistakes with this all the time. So I hear things like, can you tell me where is the station? Can you tell me where is the station? And it should be, can you tell me where the station is? Can you tell me where the station is, please? That's because can you tell me is the question, and where the station is is not the question, okay? So it could be where is the station, or can you tell me where the station is, please? Okay, so is goes at the end, like that. So um, Let's see. Talking about the future, I hear students say things like in the next years or in the next months. And I think that's a kind of a German thing or maybe Swiss German. Um, I find German or Swiss people say that in the next years or in the next months, in the next weeks. And it should be in the next few years, in the next few months, in the next few weeks. Okay. Also in the past, we'd say in the last few weeks, in the last few months, in the last few years. Not in the last years, but in the last few years, okay? Um, a structure which causes students a lot of problems is the, the structure that, that's, that you find in things like a four-hour journey, a four-hour journey. And students often get that wrong and they say a four-hours journey. Um, and it's not four-hours journey, but a four-hour journey. Journey. Now, you might think it should be plural, that it should be hours because it's four hours, right? But no, it's actually part of an adjectival phrase. So the word hour, although it's an, a noun, it's actually being used as an adjective to describe us about the word journey. So a four hour journey. So the word hour, along with the word four, is working as an adjective to describe what kind of journey. It's a four-hour journey. So when a noun is used as an adjective, it's not put into the plural form. Also, you could, just, you could consider that structure to be a very commonly occurring structure, and the word in the middle is not plural. For example, a four-hour journey, a five-pound note, a two-hour movie, a ten-minute walk, um, a five-hour flight... Um, A three-year-old baby or a 10-year-old boy, um, a, you know, uh, like a six-hour, I don't know, like a six-hour meeting, that kind of thing. It's quite a commonly occurring structure. The word in the middle is not plural. A four-hour journey. Um, You know, another example would be like a one-million-pound cut, not a one-million-pounds cut to the budget, but a £1 million cut to the budget. Um, Let's see. Okay, whenever students like um, accidentally leave something at home, for example, I ask the student to open this book, and he goes, oh, Luke, I'm really sorry. I forgot my book at home. I forgot my book at home. Now, in English, we don't say it like that. We'd say, I left my book at home, or I forgot to bring my book. So not, I forgot my book at home, but I forgot to bring my book, or I left my book at home. I know the logic. You think, I forgot, you know, to bring my book. And when did I forget? I forgot when I was at home, when I left. But actually, we don't say it like that. We just say, I left my book at home. I forgot to bring my book. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, the word back, back, um, People use that as a verb sometimes when they shouldn't. For example, I backed to my country or I, uh, I will back to my country next month. And it's actually go back. So I, I, I went back to my country last week or I'm going to go back to my country next year. Uh, back. The word back can be used as a verb and it means to support. For example, I'm backing the Labour Party or I'm backing England to win the World Cup which is obviously never going to happen. But uh, to back means to support. Um, Also, to back might be to reverse in a car, to back into the driveway, for example. Um, So next one is uh, uh, tag questions. So, you know, those are questions like, isn't it, aren't you, don't you, haven't I, aren't we? Things like that. Um, And they are used in a fairly specific way So you have a statement, and then you add a tag question, and grammatically, the tag question has to be, like, inverted. I mean, it has to be negative if the statement is positive, or if the statement is positive, it's negative, right? To give you an example, you would say, you are from England, aren't you? So are is positive, but aren't you is negative, right? You're from England, aren't you? Uh, You are from England, aren't you? So that's how you do it, but you don't put them on the end of a question. And I hear students do this sometimes. They say things like, Are you from England? Aren't you? And it should be, You are from England, aren't you? Okay, so you don't add them to questions, you add them to statements. Okay, right. Next is, um, I hear students sometimes say things like, I feel myself sick. I feel myself sick. And you don't need to use the word myself there. You don't need to have that word. After the word feel, you just have the adjective. So I feel sick. I feel good. I feel happy. I feel confident. You don't need to say I feel myself sick. I feel myself confident. No, just I feel sick. I feel confident. That's how we use the word feel. Okay? I feel good. Um, uh, next one is I bought me an iPod. Um I do believe I hear German speakers say that sometimes. I bought me an iPod. I bought me an iPod. And there you do need to use the word myself. I bought myself an iPod. Okay? Um you might hear people say like me like that. You know, I got me um I got me a bottle of whiskey. But it, to be honest, it sounds like you're from a cowboy movie, like a western movie. It's a bit like how Clint Eastwood speaks in his western movies. I got to get me a gun, you know that kind of thing i gotta get me you know I gotta get me some whiskey, that sort of thing like that um but actually it's i I'm going to get myself some whiskey um two words that cause students problems a lot are lend and borrow to lend money to someone to borrow money from someone. So that's the first thing you lend to someone, borrow from someone. Uh, And lend basically means give um, temporarily. Borrow means take temporarily, okay? So if I give you £100, I lend you £100 or I lend £100 to you, then you have to give it back to me later, right? And you borrowed £100 from me, okay? After you borrow something, you then owe someone that thing, So, O, that's O W E. So, I owe you £100 because I borrowed £100 from you last week. Okay, you might owe the bank some money because you borrowed some money from the bank. The bank lent you the money or the bank lent the money to you. Um, Next one is I went to home. To home. And it's actually just I went home. Normally, you'd say go to a place i went to school i went to hospital i went to the shops i went to the cinema i went to the pub but with the word home it's not it just i went home strange isn't it but that's just the way it is uh, another one is um ways of going somewhere so for example i went by car i went by taxi i went by plane I went by motorbike, by bicycle, by horse, by tractor, by helicopter, by submarine. Whatever it is, it's by, except if you walk, in which case, I went on foot. So you don't say, I went by walk. No, you'd say, I went on foot, okay? Um, Yeah, there's other things as well, like in and on, in and on. So... um, I'm on a bus I'm on a train, I'm on a plane, but I like in a car um in a taxi yeah, not on a car, on a taxi um, so why why do we say on the bus? well there's a theory that a friend of mine has got about this, and he says that if you can stand up if you can stand up on your feet when you're in this thing, then you can say on. So think about it, on a bus you can stand up, on a train you can stand up, on a horse you can stand up, on a bicycle you can stand up, on a motorbike you can stand up. But in a car you can't stand up, in uh, a taxi you can't stand up. Hmm, sounds pretty reasonable to me. On a boat you can stand up on a boat, on a submarine you can stand up on a submarine. You could also say in a boat or in a submarine actually. Um, next one is um, at midnight. At midnight at midnight and it seems that many of my students believe that at midnight means like in the middle of the night when it's dark outside for example i woke up at midnight because there was a strange sound outside my window but actually at midnight means at 12 o'clock at night specifically at 12 o'clock that's what midnight means okay at 12 o'clock so um otherwise if it's like 2:30 in the morning and it's dark outside, you'd say, in the middle of the night. I woke up in the middle of the night, not I woke up at midnight, because midnight is just 12 o'clock. It's one minute, just one minute uh, at 12 o'clock. Um, next one is, I hear students say things like, I came to London for study English. I came to London for study English. Now, there we would use to study. That's an infinitive to describe the purpose of why you've done something so i came to london to study english not i came to london for study but i came to london to study english um let's see another one is um same like so you are the same like me you are the same like me and it should be the same as it's almost always the same as you're the same as me okay um yeah. We use also, such as, as a way of giving ex- giving examples. So, you'd say, popular sports such as football and tennis. Not popular sports as football and tennis. No. You'd say, popular f- sports such as football and tennis. Or, popular sports like football and tennis. Okay. So, popular sports like football and tennis. Or, s- popular sports such as football and tennis. Um, next one is the word, is the plural for the word woman. So you have one man, one woman, two men, and two women. Women. Okay. So not womans or woman. No, it's women. Two women. One woman, two women. I hear that mistake all the time. Even the very advanced learners of English that I teach still make that mistake. So it's two women. Okay um and one child two children so not two childs no two children okay and the same with the word person so one person two people okay now in general english you would say people um i hear students saying persons a lot now the the word persons does exist but it's not really in general English. It's used in things like legal English or very formal English to describe, you know, individuals, so persons. Um, But in general conversational English, you would say people, not persons. Persons sounds too formal, too legal. Okay, so it's people instead. Um, Next is the expression in spite of or despite. And in spite of and despite mean the same thing, and they're used in the same way. But I often hear students making mistakes with that. I hear things like, in spite of he was tired, he he did the washing up. In spite of he was tired, he did the washing up. Uh, the washing up is when you clean the dishes in your house. So in spite of he was tired. So it shouldn't be that. It should be in spite of the fact that he was tired. Um Okay? Or despite the fact that he was tired. Or maybe in spite of being tired, he did the washing up. Or despite being tired, he did the washing up. Um, You might say although. Although he was tired, he did the washing up. So although he was tired, he did the washing up. Or in spite of the fact that he was tired, he did the washing up. Or despite the fact that he was tired, he did the washing up. Or... Despite being tired, he did the washing up. Or in spite of being tired, he did the washing up. Whew. I hope you got all that. You know, you can you can visit the webpage and see all these things written down. I'm going to write these things down and then you can check them. So do visit the webpage, http colon forward slash forward slash teacherluke.podomatic.com. You can see all of these things being written down there. Okay, that's good, isn't it? it's brilliant. Can you believe it? Can you believe that you just get this stuff just online? Like, oh, I think I wonder if anyone has done a podcast about common errors that learners of English make. You know, those things that learners of English always do that they shouldn't do. And if they stopped doing them, their English would be like a lot better and they'd get much better results in their IELTS and their FCE and CAE exams. All those typical errors that when an examiner hears them, he kind of gets disappointed and gives you a bad mark. Where, where can I find a podcast where someone explains all of those things? Well, you've just discovered it, ladies and gentlemen, and it's called Luke's English Podcast. That's right, you're listening to the, the, the right thing here. This is going to fix those little mistakes that you keep making. Okay, just a few mistakes left in this big podcast about student errors. Let's see, we've got um, uh, the expression Used to. Used to. Used to. Uh, and I've got the the sentence here, we are used to live in a cold climate. We are used to live in a cold climate. Wrong. Should be, we are used to living in a cold climate. That's because used to, U-S-E-D-T-O, used to, note the pronunciation there, used to, not to, but used to. Um, Let's see. Used to has got two uses. I hope that's not confusing. Used to can be used for two different things. So on one hand, used to means something you did regularly in the past, you don't do it anymore. I used to live in Japan. I used to smoke, but I don't smoke anymore. Okay. The other one is be used to, and then an ing form. Um, So I am used to living in England. I've been living here all my life. So I'm used to, living here. And that means to be accustomed to it. So it was difficult before. It's not difficult now. So that sentence, we are used to live in a cold climate, should be, we are used to living in a cold climate, meaning uh, I'm I'm comfortable living in a cold climate because I've been doing it for a long time. Okay. Um, So that's on one hand, I used to do something in the past regularly. I don't do it now on the other hand, I am used to doing something, which means that I'm okay with it now. It feels normal. It feels natural because I've been doing it for a long time. Okay. A couple of other things. One is the question, what is he like? Or what is it like? So for example, what is he like? The wrong answer is he likes football. And the right answer is he's a really nice guy. What is he like? He's really nice. What does he like? He likes football. Okay. So what is he like or what is it like? What was it like? Very common questions. And they're just used to kind of ask about the quality of something to to get information about something. Um, What was the movie like? Okay. Did you enjoy it? How was your holiday? What was it like? Oh, it was fantastic. Okay. What was it like? what is he like what is it like it means tell me about it i wonder what it's going to be like i'm sure it's going to be fantastic okay and um okay i've got a couple of others one that says we have to wait during 3 weeks now i've already explained that at the beginning of this it's not during it's for so i have to wait for 3 weeks and the other one is the difference between by and until so you might hear i might hear a student saying something like please finish the report until Friday at the latest. Please finish the report until Friday at the latest. And that's wrong. should be, please finish the report by Friday at the latest. Please finish the report by Friday at the latest. So we use by to say that this is the last point at which something can happen. So it must happen before that point once. Okay, so please finish the report by Friday. It means you can finish it at any time, but it must be before Friday. Okay, and then finish the report until Friday. We use until to mean keep doing this thing, and then at that time, stop. So, for example, you would say, um, uh, Watch, can you watch this? Um, hmm, can you watch my car until I get back? Can you watch my car until I get back? get back and that means keep watching the car and then when i come back stop watch my car until i get back okay and give me the report by friday that is basically it for this episode of luke's english podcast i'm sure there are lots of other common errors that learners of english make in fact i believe that cambridge or oxford have a dictionary of common mistakes and that might be worth researching have a look On uh, Amazon or something for the Cambridge Dictionary of Common Errors and you'll find a whole book devoted to common errors. But at the moment, those are some of the mistakes which I commonly hear on a day-to-day basis in my job. I hope you found this podcast useful. I think you'll find that if you listen to it many times, you will really start to understand uh, about those common mistakes, and you will then start avoiding them, and your English will improve significantly. Just to give you an example, when I meet new students and I interview them, Um, to decide what level they are, when a a student makes a basic mistake, then I immediately think, oh no, no, their level isn't that good. So if you can avoid making those common mistakes, you'll find that your level uh, will be better. Okay. Now, there are plenty of other mistakes that I haven't included in there. Like, for example, just basic things like subject-verb agreement. So if you're talking about like he or she... Then you have to add like the s on the end of a verb, so he lives, not he live. You know that's just a basic thing. Also, not using just the right preposition. I've talked already about prepositions. Using the wrong tense is a big deal, um, particularly things like present perfect, past perfect, um, and present continuous to talk about the future. And that's kind of like a whole other subject for a podcast. Present perfect um and uh, also things like modal verbs remembering that you don't have an infinitive with two after a modal so you won't say I can to speak English no it's I can speak English I must go to the toilet not I must to go to the toilet yeah there are obviously lots of other errors that I haven't included here but those are the ones that I notice that when students make them and I I kind of request that my students just remember not to make those mistakes because they sound particularly bad. That's it from this episode of Luke's English Podcast. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, you might have noticed that the sound quality is a little bit better this time round. I hope so, because I recently uh, got a new microphone. So now I'm going to sound even more professional than I was before. So the quality of Luke's English Podcast has improved even more I think uh hopefully that's a good reason for you to donate a little bit of money. I I hope that I'm not I don't sound like some desperate beggar. Gonna, Please give me some money you know. But <clears throat> I do this um again, I do this for free. Um, so, a little bit of support would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for donating. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic evening or night or whatever it is you're doing there. And um, enjoy your life. That's the end of this episode. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. To make a donation, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com.